Yeah, that's that's a no-brainer to me as well. Like if you can reach almost six figures with zero marketing, can you imagine what will happen with some decent kind of marketing? I think it's definitely doable. And um, end of next year is, I think, uh, a worthy target, I think. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? All right. On the podcast today, it's that time of the month. We're doing an update on the $3 million challenge. And I am doing this from my home where there are two wild kids upstairs running around. There might be some shrieking, but hey, that's what happens when... Four out of the five days of the week, you have sick kids at home and then you have Veterans Day. So, Jonathan, you think we can pull this off? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I am very excited about the topics. And hopefully we can talk over any crying babies in the background. So let's do yes. it. Yeah, and you've been exposed to some children as well. You're fighting off a call. These little germ magnets throw a real wrinkle in a business. <laughs> but hey, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We're, we're that much more resilient because of these little creatures. But awesome, man. So. Yeah, this week has been a whirlwind, dude. I like, I had like a board meeting, an advisory call. I'm in with Techstars, got to meet some cool companies. We did webinars. You've traveled across the country. You've traveled over oceans. And yeah, dude, it's just, it's crazy right now. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Uh, we've been on board a few new exciting clients they're all very interesting like interesting projects and uh, they've started with us at an interesting time as well end of year quarter four which is always a panic where everyone's trying to scale their businesses and you know capture dollars before you know the end of the year so it's an interesting time from that perspective the volume of work has definitely gone up yeah and we don't want to say no to it but we don't want to burn out people so it's a tough juggling act all right. So the $3 million challenge for people that don't know, we have a growth agency called Growth Hit. We're like, hey, if we're such a good growth team, can we grow our own stuff? So we're doing that. We've grown our agency to hit seven figures. We now have a productized service called One Day Design, where the goal is to hit seven figures. And the third is a direct-to-consumer product called Handsome Chaos that does dry shampoo for men and pomade form. Get excited. And we're trying to get that one as well to seven figures. So let's start with one day design. This launch, April, the official launch was this summer. We actually are, I'm, I want to say it, I might be jinxing it because like we haven't hit it yet, but I think by the time this goes live, we will. We're approaching $100,000 in revenue. Like the numbers are basically 90K right now, 90,000, but we're almost at 100K, which would mean we are a tenth of the way there. But but what do you think about that, Jonathan, as we're like approaching six figures with this? I'm both, I both expected it and I'm also a little surprised, but I expected it because it's a high ticket item. And as I've said before, as we were comparing Handsome Chaos and One Day Design, that One Day Design would reach seven figures way before Handsome Chaos. We just have fewer units to sell or at least fewer clients to service in our case. Um, but I'm also surprised because it doesn't get as much love as it should. And with a very minimal effort, very little marketing push, we've managed to get it to the stage. It's a credit to the team that operates that we get amazing reviews from, from clients that have worked with us. But it also tells me that if it had like a full-time marketing team, like trying to get one day design to where it could be, there's no telling the potential of that, that the brand that we've created. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And for people who don't know, the price point for one day design is between like $12.99 for a page. And then for unlimited design, it's basically 5K per month to do 
ads and emails and websites. So the, the ticket price is nice that can allow us to, to hit six and seven figures. It's, it's really about scaling. But I, what, it's funny because the process and the product works. I mean, we are turning around designs. We're able to hire designers and that's working. What's frustrating and just being honest, Jonathan and I had a call before. I was a little frustrated because we aren't doing anything on the marketing side. We're really growing through word of mouth, which is fantastic. But like, I know there's things we can be doing. We just can't find the freaking time in the day to do it. We want to update and optimize the website, but it's like, how do we find time out? And even Jonathan and I are not struggling, but it's like, what are our roles? Who's owning what? And we're trying to solidify that. We're even talking to a potential partner to, to come in and, and help with it. But you know, I think focus is the most precious thing with any startup. And we're really trying to figure out like where you and I focus our time to have the biggest impact. And that that's really the name of the game. And it's easier said than done when you're pre-product market fit. Because while we've hit basically six figures, I wouldn't say we have product market fit. I think we have something that has signals of it, but we're still figuring out the price and the offering and the ideal persona. And so that's, I get excited, but also really impatient because I, I, I see that this is working and I don't want time to pass us by as, as this goes. But I don't know if you, you feel the same way or not. Yeah, I feel like we have a catchy offer. Uh, it's in the name. It resonates with people. It draws eyes and we deliver on that. And it's that wow moment that we give to clients. But I also feel like even though we haven't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we've hit product market fit, but I feel like our offer stands out, but our offer also has some weaknesses as good as it is. We turn it around so fast that it prevents us from retaining clients for a very long time. So we are constantly in the acquisition game if we continue using this, this model, but maybe that's, that's, maybe that's the, the way to go. Maybe our, our offer is good as is, and the goal shouldn't be to retain clients for a very long time. That's, these are still things we need to work out. But there are pros and cons to each, but it's still interesting to think through about it and, you know, experiment with different ideas. But yeah, definitely a lot of opportunity regardless. Yeah, we basically had someone churn because like you guys are so fast. You're making me feel like I'm behind and I can't keep up. And he's like, I'll come back when I can keep up. And we're like, wow, we were not expecting that. The fact that like speed would hurt us, but that that was kind of funny. The good thing is I do think that person will come back and they were very complimentary and they continued to like communicate with us. But it's, uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. I do agree. The offer's there. We just have to figure out some other things, but it's uh, no, man, it's all fun stuff and it's exciting. And I think what we should do is as we approach the end of the year, we should put ourselves on the line and do some forecasting with what we want to do ahead in the next 12 months and how we can get to seven figures before the end of next year. I, I think that would be a worthwhile kind of vision exercise. Yeah, that's that's a no-brainer to me as well. Like if you can reach almost six figures with zero marketing, can you imagine what will happen with some decent like planned marketing? I think it's definitely doable. And um, end of next year is, I think, uh, a worthy target, I think. Yeah. And for people to know, so we get business now from leads from our agency. We're getting word of mouth. We're getting leads from us building in public, like what we're doing right now. We just turned on Google ads. We're spending probably between 50 to $100 per day. The design keyword game is a little bit of a knife fight and it can be commoditized. So we're, we're trying to go at it from some 
low volume, but high intent searches. And then we're, we have some social Facebook ads that we're working on that we could be standing up. But to be honest, I don't necessarily think those are the, the key growth channels, but I'm, I'm excited to experiment. The key is finding one channel that works and then just squeeze the most out of it. And it could be content marketing. It could be what we're doing right now. But anyway, that that's kind of where we're at. And we're also working on some extreme updates to the webpage and the pricing section to make it super simple. So maybe we could talk about that that next month. Oh, yeah. I think everything is actually up for change. If you think about it, the offer, potentially the pricing funnel, even our marketing strategy. So there'll definitely be a lot to talk about regarding one day design going forward. Yeah. And there's another thing that we can't talk about yet for legal reasons, but that's a whole nother conversation when we are allowed to do that. Okay. So let's talk about the second company, Handsome Chaos. This is a company we've been working on for longer than One Day Design, and it has zero revenue because we don't know how to manufacture products. However, there is good news this month. We signed with a new manufacturer. They have our formula to make the, the hair product. They are starting to make it. We'll have a we'll have their version of our prototype in a month, and then we'll get a thousand units, and we'll be ready to launch in February. And the thing that I like about these guys, it came from a network that I a person that I know. They have very good credibility, and they're reliable, according to people I've spoken with that worked with them. So fingers crossed. Hopefully, these guys are the ones. So we we will see how that goes. We now have to find a three PL someone who can take the product and then fulfill it for us. And we're also working with some new influencers. So the way I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, we're going to launch in February. We have three months essentially to create an epic launch strategy. So I'm trying to look at this time as, as an advantage. So really investing in the go-to-market strategy and the assets and, and how we pull this off. But but yeah, man, let's see if if they can nail the product that, that we've got the prototype for from another manufacturer to see if it works. But that that's the update on, on Handsome Chaos. You know, it'd be interesting, actually, I'm sure many of the listeners are thinking as well. Like, do you have a, a goal, a revenue goal for Handsome Chaos? The same way you just, we just discussed one for one. Day. I do. So we're buying a thousand units and we're selling the product for around $30. So the, the total revenue we can make on the first buy is 30,000. However, I want to use basically 250 of those products for promotional reasons. So I'm looking to sell like 750 products and we'll probably bake in some some discounting and so i want to do over fifteen thousand dollars in sales for a couple reasons once we can buy another order at, at double the volume to be able to cover our costs we're not trying to like really profit from it it's break even and buy the next inventory buy so we'll kind of be leveling up the goals let's make 15 grand off of this one and then we'll be going to 30 grand. And then I think we can get to six figures. But we'll we'll really see how it how it performs and, and scales. Got it. That's interesting. When do you think after February launch, when do you think that's going to be possible? Any dates? Well, it depends on how good the funnel is that you design for people <laughs> subscribing or or bundling. So so yeah, but we're we're gonna be putting some ad spend to this. I think our budget in totals around like either five or ten K, but I, I think we can sell out within 45 days. Yeah. Interesting to see. Yeah, but we'll see. Unfortunately, we're recording this, so we'll see if I'm right or wrong on that. Okay. So what what we thought we would do today, this will be a little bit of a random show. We're going to talk about this YouTube video I watched of Derek Halpern talking about his brand, Truvani. 
um, his DTC brand and how they've gotten to like upper eight figures. I mean, it, it's blown my mind. He's a former internet marketer who started launching products and he has this framework for how he goes to market. That's really impressive. And then I want to get into damn good marketing and Jonathan made a TikTok video that's got over a million views and we'll talk about what's going on there. And then finally, I did. I have some interesting startup ideas based off of startups I spoke with that I thought it would be share from the latest batch of, of tech stars. But where should we start? Do we want to start with the Derek Halpern um, yeah, update? Let's do that. Yeah. Cool. So Truvani, it's a, a it's a series of products of like protein powders, and you know, it's really a brand that's all about transparency and having really good ingredients. And Derek Halpern came up with this idea because he's an internet marketer. And he's like, you know what? Let me take my skills. Instead of saying e- selling e-products, I'm going to try and sell a brand. And he he found another partner who is in this industry, an influencer that had some following. He's like, let's combine our skills and, and do something really well. And the growth has been insane. But in this talk, I just want to talk about one thing. And it's what blew my mind with his go-to-market strategy. He said, whenever we're going to market and we're doing ads, there are three types of personas we're going after. The first persona is the informed buyer. This is the person that wants you to exist. They're already using a direct competitor, but they're willing to switch if you have certain features or benefits. So how do you talk to them? You talk to them in that language about features and benefits. So his his example was, he did yoga for this, which was pretty funny. He's like, oh, you like doing yoga? That's great. But have you tried hot yoga? You burn more calories and you get this better benefit of X, Y, and Z. And notice how you get someone to switch from yoga to hot yoga by talking about features and benefits. So in startup language, those are your early adopters. The second persona he talks about is the afflicted persona. This is the person that has a problem. They're not informed, but they got a problem. And his example was again around yoga. It's like, oh, you have a back that's sore. It's like, you know, there's a few stretches you can do that can relieve back and joint pain. Come to the park, I'll show you how to do it. And it's actually doing yoga stretches. And so it's really talking to the persona language of problem solution. And then the final persona is the oblivious person. This is the person that's not informed and they have a problem, but they're not even aware of it. They're just kind of like aimlessly walking through the world. But what's key is if you want to scale, you have to focus on this oblivious persona. And how do you get their attention? You get their attention by doing things that stop them in their tracks to make them pay attention. So think of like BuzzFeed style of headlines. And his example was, you know, you know, something around a title like this, like, hey, you want to know the one thing I do before I take a shower every day that's changed my life? Like, click here to learn more. And it's like, oh, it's these, these yoga stretches. And so this framework has totally changed how we think about messaging clients or as of our clients and when we go to market. So I'll put it in the show notes, but it's it's a pretty impressive talk. But what did you think after watching that talk? Oh man, there's there's a lot I can say about Derek Halpern and even Trevani, but I've been following Derek Halpern for a very long time. And I know he's he's a smart marketer, someone who thinks very methodically about business and everything and marketing as a whole. And I think we've I think we've all been guilty, especially myself, of thinking of of avatars and a persona for a business in terms of one major avatar and then trying to define an identity around it. Who is that person, name, age, what do they do, what do they like, where do they come from, what are their goals, wishes, desires? And I think the way he breaks it out into like three compartments, I think makes a lot of sense. As someone who obviously optimizes sites, and that's like my strength. 
this is like a new paradigm and it's rare it's rare that i come across marketers who show me something that like i haven't thought about before so hats off to him and i think that this is definitely something that we'll be implementing going forward for sure it's something we can put in action right away yeah i was actually kind of mad that we didn't think of it yeah. to be honest i was like dang that's good i was like can we just steal that and just put our name on it but yeah it would so we'll give him full credit it was very strong all right so the next thing um jonathan likes to go off in his little cave and then come out of it with some ideas that aren't half baked but they become fully baked and he went off in his cave and he came back he's like i have an idea he's like i want to like just play around with working the muscle of can we make viral content and I want to test TikTok. So I was like, oh, cool. That's interesting. Go for it. He's like, oh, by the way, I already came up with the whole concept and strategy. And we talked about a little bit before here. It's called Damn Good Marketing. And it's short form videos under 60 seconds. And you started testing it. You've probably done, you've gone live with maybe 25, 30 videos, but you just yeah. had a video crack a million views on TikTok. So we should have done the, the million view challenge and we'd already be done with this whole charade. But first, like, do you want to talk about like, like how you feel is like you did something that has validated and it's hit a million views. And then I want to go through some of these like clips and like, like, let's talk about like the damn good marketing examples. But first, like, what are you thinking after hitting a million? To be honest, I wasn't really optimizing for a million and I didn't know it until one of the people on the team told me about it. I was, I was, this is actually a passion. If you think about funnel teardowns, for example, our site, I've always been studying companies that do something remarkable from a marketing perspective or business model perspective. And I used to do those with slides and now I wanted to do it with short videos because pretty much everyone nowadays just watches videos instead of reading posts or even interacting with slides. And Damn good marketing. I think in just a month of posting has had, like, as you've said, 25 videos. There've been a few like blowout successes with like over a hundred thousand views, one with over a million and uh, like over almost close to 20,000 subscribers as well. So it's been, it's been a success from that perspective. And it's, it's been, it's forced, it's been a forcing function to continue to study the market and the remarkable marketers, people who do things that just stand out from everyone else. So I really enjoyed that part as well. Are you a celebrity now? Funny thing is I was trying to keep this private, the whole damn good marketing thing, but because the way TikTok works is it, it uses your location. A lot of my family found out about it right away and I was getting teased about it. Like, what is Jonathan doing on TikTok? But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's been fun. Definitely an exciting process for sure. Do they at least give you a follow or a like, or are they like spamming you? Follow, like, but a lot of teasing um, yeah. for sure. Of teasing, yeah, yeah. There's no secrets on the internet if you've learned anything. But let's talk about it. What are some of the ones that have worked? Like, talk about the content. Yeah, so there are like a few posts and companies that just blow my mind when you know, I initially find out about them. You remember last time we discussed pink cocaine? That blew my mind when I first found out about it. There's another one. It's it's this guy. That one also it. got flagged since you're promoting yeah. cocaine. But maybe anyway, that's your personal brand. Keep going. Yeah, I actually had to, yeah, that got flagged, got taken down. Funny thing is I actually had another video in queue that was on the largest weed company in the US. And I know that one's going to get flagged as well, but I might as well make it because it's such an interesting topic. But anyway, the ones that really stood out to me is like Mattress Mac, for example. He's a mattress seller in Texas. Very boring, you know, like pretty stale, standard business, brick and mortar business. But his unique way of marketing himself since like since day one, uh, has been hedge promotions. So he would bet on a sporting event, a large sporting event that all of his customers are following. And his bet would be that is the, the team, one of the teams wins, 
that he would refund everyone that's bought furniture from his store during a, like an aggressive weekend sale. And that forces everyone, all of his customers, even people that don't need to buy furniture to come in and buy because there's a chance that they might get their money, their money back if that team wins. And that's his hedge. It gets a lot of free publicity, a lot of free attention, which drives more customers into his business, which, you know, just it's a flywheel. And the guy has just, he's built a reputation around that. He's a local celebrity and just fascinating to watch. It's a small business, but like a lot of genius marketing that's happening there that, you know, other people can also take advantage of. But yeah, that's that's the big one for sure. I love that he can turn his addiction into a revenue stream. So that that's fantastic to see. I will say I love outside of the box ideas like that, but that had to have been born out of a an addiction of gambling. But hey, well done. Yeah. And the other one is the Smiley Co. Actually, I didn't know about this, but the Smiley Face is actually a huge licensing company. And um the story behind it is quite sad. Actually, the person who initially came up with the smiley face was just a creative that didn't know how to monetize his, his creativity. These French people essentially took the IP, they registered it, and they built a licensing empire around it. So if you've ever been to Krispy Kreme, for example, that smiley licensing company goes to Krispy Kreme, their creative team, and they offer to put their smiley face on a Krispy Kreme donut, and they get a share of all the sales. Um, they do that with a gap and the smiley face shirt. And it's just, it's fascinating how they built a company with just purely intellectual property, but at no manufacturing or anything besides that. And I think it's almost $500 million a year in revenue that they get just licensing the smiley face. So it's just crazy business. God, there's so much about the licensing industry that I don't know or understand, but I feel like that's a, a huge oversight because <laughs> I know there's so much money there, especially seeing brands when they all of a sudden get the licensing right for like Marvel and Disney, like how it just skyrockets, like what they can do with sales of, of diapers or anything else. That's super. We should do a whole breakdown of companies like, like that have grown just off of licensing deals. Absolutely. And another one actually that's relevant to like the time this is being recorded is actually Spirit Spirit Halloween. Most people know Spirit Halloween. They've seen it around, but there's actually a fascinating story around it where this is a company that only literally makes 100% of its money within a two-month period. Actually, even less, I would say closer to a month, six weeks. And what they do is they lease out the short-term leases of old big box retail stores. Like think of your Kmart, your Sears, they think of them as the Grim, the Grim Reaper, and which kind of makes sense because it's a Halloween themed business as well. Their inventory also never goes out of date because the Joker, for example, is going to be in date next week as well. So it's not your typical retail business where you need to turn around your inventory and they make an absolute killing. They have a larger footprint than like your Target or Trader Joe's during that two week period, the two month period. And they close shop, they disappear for the remaining 10 months. They just source inventory and get ready to essentially run their business again over the next, like that two week, two month period leading up to Halloween. So just a fascinating business that's really weird, but definitely really works. I believe it. Yeah. And like the margins they have on that stuff, like some of it just falls apart or dissolves after you wear it. But I mean, yeah. you're still going to pay the 60 bucks to get like, you know, the gingerbread costume or whatever. But um, no, man, that's that's a good way. And it's smart to lowering the overhead as far as like getting the temporary like retail locations. Yeah. And I have one last one, actually. And I think you should know this, but what's the largest YouTube channel, Jim? And the or I should say the YouTube channel that makes the most revenue. Do you know by any chance? Oh, man. Would it be some like Harvard Business Review or something education related? Well, absolutely not. It's actually the exact opposite. It's 
It's something that appeals to toddlers. It's cocoa melon. Oh god, I hate cocoa melon. I believe it though. Oh man, I should have yeah. known. Cocoa melon is an absolute money-making machine. It was actually recently acquired by by a few ex-Disney executives funded by private equity. And they're essentially trying to be the new Disney using like buying up all these YouTube I, like IP and channels that have a lot of engagement. They use YouTube to test. And then they launch that same content on other platforms like Shopify, Netflix, and they built a massive empire with essentially like, I don't know, like I've seen toddlers and they're addicted to Cocoa Melon and all the different content and assets that this firm has built. It was actually just started by husband and wife, a woman, the lady, I think the wife was an illustrator of children's books and they took their passion to educate their children and they built a massive business out of it. And that's just, it's fascinating. Like they make so much revenue that they, they don't even have a close second. They're like literally far out in their own universe. And, and is that revenue massive. purely from like the YouTube kind of rev share or I'm sure they're monetizing it other yeah, ways, but is absolutely. that the primary chance source? I wouldn't say it's the primary, but it's like the lead domino. So they, the YouTube is where they test, where they build their audience, where they build their reputation, where they market these different you know, characters. They have like a licensing, no, not a licensing business, but what's it called? They take that as the, their assets and they also publish it on Netflix and I think Spotify and a few other platforms as well. And then merchandise, of course, which is another cash cow for them. So it's like all these things combined and they're close to a billion dollar brand. So it's quite fascinating. They have to have some sort of like behavioral psychologist that helps them because there's, there was, we were on this like insanely long flight and my two-year-old who does not sit still, three-year-old now, she would not sit still. We put on Kokomon. There was like this YouTube video, it was like an hour and 20 minutes, but it was basically like a bunch of five minute videos sliced together. She sat there like in trance watching it because it's like the perfect cadence, the perfect speed for these kids. Where I was like, I don't know what's happening now. This is probably not healthy, but like, I need a break. So it's totally fine. But they, they've got it down. Oh, yeah. They have a massive team of like data scientists, like child development psychologists, all sorts of things that helps. Like, it's not just a bunch of creative people. It's very like intentional with everything they do. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside.com. Are you a founder, marketer, or executive that's looking for the next untapped social channel? Then look no further. Seriously, this one just launched and it's already getting insane traffic. It's like the website love child of Reddit and Twitter, but for business. I love it because it's the social news site and community site that actually cuts through the noise, unlike other platforms. I can discover content from other founders, plus it's a great place to share my own thoughts with professionals. I'm actually starting to get a little bit of traffic from it. For me, I like the topics feature because I can easily jump into Inside. I can filter by startup content, e-commerce content, or marketing content to find things to help me learn or to help me make my own business decisions. Plus, they host AMAs. That means ask me anything so you can connect with other like-minded professionals. It's more than just news. It's an efficient way to grow your network with impressive business minds. I was sold on them because of the team behind it, Alex and Jason. This is the brainchild of Jason Kalkanis. He's one of the hosts of my favorite podcast, The All In Podcast. He's an icon in the business world, the startup world, and he knows content. So you know the quality's there. 
Last, you might want to grab your inside URL before someone else does. Luckily, I got Jim Huffman before my nemesis in Minnesota got it. If you want to connect with me, go to insight.com, search my name, and let's chat. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or what you think of Insight. Let me know what you think. One thing we talk about as an agency, the personas I love are parents, pet owners, and brides. And there is so much money and monetization in there. And especially like those are also very much insulated categories that regardless of how the economy is going, you're still going to like feed and help your kids. You're going to have weddings and you're, you're, you're still going to like splurge on your pets. So maybe it's like, I I love taking a model and just like pointing it at a different persona or or category, but uh, man, that, that blows my mind. We, we, yeah, we need, we need to keep, keep an eye on that. I wonder if they'll build up such a big brand where they would have like the licensing deals. Cause what I would, if they really nail this, if they can pull out a Mickey mouse or like a Donald duck or, you know, a Daniel tiger out of it, where you have this flagship character where all of a sudden, because I, because I'm, I'm in a struggle every, every morning with what big, big girl undies, my three-year-old's going to wear. And if it's not Elsa Nana, she ain't even going to like, you know, humor it. So that I think that would be the next big step for them. Absolutely. And the advantage they have is that they can iterate in faster sprints, like a Disney, like, or what's the other one? Pixar, like movie takes ages to produce and to test. Whereas these guys can do it in literally a matter of weeks and iterate faster. So yeah, they're moving on a much, much faster like ecosystem. And I feel like they're, they're going to succeed in that for sure. All right. Hey, talk about the Salesforce ones with what they did, because I think a lot of times people want to think through marketing from like what's scalable, what's repeatable, but doing crazy stunts, whether it's them or Red Bull, that's how you can like build up this cachet with your brand and get like word of mouth and virality going. Yeah, I just like stunts as a whole. I think stunts are so effective. There's nothing more effective at getting free free press and getting people talking about you. And as they say, like no PR is bad PR. So what what Salesforce did with Mark Benioff is they faked stage protests, had fake news crews. And one of my favorite by far is like they, they, they hired out all the taxis at a competitor's conference and put their salespeople in the taxis to sell, to sell clients of their competitors on Salesforce. And the advantage they had is especially when they launched software, especially enterprise software was so hated and had to be installed on site. And there are a lot of negative like downsides to that entire business model. And they came in like as the exact like opposite of that entire world. And they had a huge no no software campaign that gained a lot of notoriety and like popularity as well. So it, it just it absolutely killed. And they I think it's probably still one of the fastest growing software companies of all time. So it's it's led by a genius. The timing was amazing and their marketing strategy was like never like it's still one of the best, still talked about to this day. Dude, that is ruthless and I love it. It's like, oh, you're having a conference competitor? That's fantastic. And like, I'm going to get every Uber and taxi to have one of our sales guys in it. I mean, I would not want to play checkers against that guy. Like, I don't think he loses, which by the way, are we not ruthless enough? Like, what the heck are we doing? Like, we should be going to for growth at like every conference and maybe we just sit in every Uber and taxi. Like for one day design... Like who are we picking a fight with? Who is our like 
old school desktop software we're going after. But I don't know, maybe as we look at 2023, you and I need to be more ruthless. Are we are we too nice? What's going on here? Yeah. And the funny thing is I gravitate a lot, a lot towards like these like market, like guerrilla marketers and people who like marketing stunts. Like you remember we discussed BrewDog, which is that UK based brewery. Yeah against everyone and they have insane like very attention grabbing like marketing stunts like there's one example that i that i've told you about where they had a new brew which they called elvis and the elvis estate sued them so the owners of BrewDog called them like changed their name to elvis like legally so that they could you know run that and just <laughs> interesting maneuvers that they do to get attention and always be hard to defeat which you know all their competitors are stale they use traditional marketing channels and they're they're playing a completely different game on a different field. So impossible to play against. God, I love that. Why don't we do this? Why don't we, for like each of our companies, think of one like ruthless stunt we try and do for the year and just do it just so we can document us doing it. And if it's an epic fail, it'll be great podcast content. If it works, then hey, maybe it'll give us a little boost in growth. But I, yeah. we should do a roundup of like the top 10 or 15 stunts people did that like accelerated growth. You know, speaking of that, this is, a, this is an example of a marketer who did this actually in a very unrelated space, Harry Dry, who promoted the Kanye West dating app. Yeah. And that had nothing to do with his business or anything like that, but it got a lot of fame, attention and notoriety. And that's something I think we should definitely think about doing at some point. That could be one of the one of the things that in our challenge, our next challenge, or even now for that matter, like, you know, putting it in there, to see what we can do or what we, what we can, what we can achieve with that. No, we had, I remember that he did that at the perfect time too, or Kanye was at like the peak of his powers. So if that's trending on Twitter or whatever channel, it's just blowing up. You know, what's funny. I've got a buddy who has an agency and like, it's, it's fun. Cause like, his is bigger than ours, but the way we market and grow it are completely different. Like he's like, Oh, I love that you guys have podcasts and do that stuff. And you do this stuff with startups Meanwhile, all he does is go to conferences and he's speaking and he's networking and he's closing stuff and he's so good at it. And I'm like, I just sit here and stare at Zoom all day. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, we're, we're not getting out there at all. I mean, if, if our internet goes down, we're out of business. So it's something, yeah, I, I think we should really push ourselves to try and do that next year. But okay, we'll, maybe that's in our end of the year wrap up where we talk about the, the stunts we're going to try and pull off. Or maybe we, we pitch some half-baked bank stunt ideas. Yeah. And, and, and the crazier it is, the better. There's an interesting site actually called Bad Unicorns where people intentionally come up with bad ideas. So I think the crazier the idea, the less like rational it seems, I think the more built in like virality it has. So if we're trying to do something just for the sake of attention, we might as well go all out, I think. Yeah, I actually like the idea of engineering as marketing too, like the dating app for Kanye. I want to like build something that's kind of hilarious that people could share. Okay. All right. Game on. Which company do you think will be the best at this? Handsome Chaos, Growth Hit, or One Day Design? I'm more involved with One Day Design, so I'll say One Day Design. Yeah. Um, for sure. But I feel like Handsome Chaos actually has a lot of potential in this case. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I remember Red Bull, like when I was at college, 
they would just have all these not bad to look at people walking around with backpacks of Red Bull just taking over the campus. And I just remember being like, oh, that is really good brand awareness because they're just like flocked with people like, oh, yeah, I'll take a free Red Bull. Can I talk to you for three minutes? Because this is the only time you would ever let me talk to you. But I, I think there's 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 some guerrilla marketing we could do with like feet on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm looking forward to the days where you're on college campuses handing out handsome gifts. <laughs> yeah, I don't think my conversion rate would be very good, but that's okay. All right. Well, I don't think we have enough time to go through the tech star startups and the half-baked ideas, but we can save that for next time because I've got some fun ones I want to hit on, but I'll, I'll let you get on with your life, man. Any, anything else you got? No, not at all. I'll actually spend this weekend to brainstorm some crazy marketing stunts that we can attempt in 2023. So looking forward to that. Yeah, please send me the ones of like the, I need to get inspiration. I need to like flood my mind with some and start thinking of some. Because I remember Warby Parker, when they launched New York Fashion Week, they hired all these models to sit in the New York Public Library. And at the same time, they all put on their glasses and read the same blue book. And they were like on the steps of the New York Public Library and it like took over Fashion Week. And I always thought that was an interesting way to kind of get press. Stunts work. That's what I've noticed. Like everything since like, uh, what's his name? Richard Branson and Virgin and all those crazy attempts mm -hmm. nowadays. The greatest marketers, the ones everyone talks about. It's not that I don't think that they're special in any way. It's that they are more in the news than everyone else. And mm. to get be more like newsworthy, you have to do things that are unconventional, right? Think of Donald Trump, for example. It's not so much that I feel like he's a better politician, but he's no one comes close to him in staying in the press. Do you know what I'm getting? That yeah. press. Saying yeah. absurd things that he knows people will, will, will be looking at. So yeah, I think there's definitely a lot to learn there. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, game on. Well, I hear footsteps up the stairs. I think I've used all the goodwill I can. But awesome, man. Good chatting with you. Awesome, Jim. Thanks. I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out GrowthHit. GrowthHit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthIt has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside.com. Are you a founder, marketer, or executive that's looking for the next untapped social channel? Then look no further. Seriously, this one just launched and it's already getting insane traffic. It's like the website love child of Reddit and Twitter, but for business. I love it because it's the social news site and community site that actually cuts through the noise, unlike other platforms. I can discover content from other founders. Plus, it's a great place to share my own thoughts with professionals. I'm actually starting to get a little bit of traffic from it. 
for me, I like the topics feature because I can easily jump into inside. I can filter by startup content, e-commerce content, or marketing content to find things to help me learn or to help me make my own business decisions. Plus, they host AMAs. That means ask me anything so you can connect with other like-minded professionals. It's more than just news. It's an efficient way to grow your network with impressive business minds. I was sold on them because of the team behind it, Alex and Jason. This is the brainchild of Jason Kalkanis. He's one of the hosts of my favorite podcast, The All In Podcast. He's an icon in the business world, the startup world, and he knows content. So you know the qualities there. Last, you might want to grab your inside URL before someone else does. Luckily, I got Jim Huffman before my nemesis in Minnesota got it. If you want to connect with me, go to inside.com, search my name, and let's chat. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or what you think of Inside. Let me know what you think.